Righto, hello listeners. Today we're doing something a little bit different. I've got Tom and Mark here. How you going, guys? Very well, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be doing a game of Jeopardy, and the boys are going to be going head to head. I think they're nervous because they don't want to get too many wrong, but it's focusing on our first topic, the core topic. So if you're going to be doing this or you're doing it um, in preparation for the HSC, which, bloody hell, I bet you everybody who's listening to this wishes that it actually fell on the right time and we were doing it this week. It seems like it's dragging on forever. But we're going to be going through, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, 20 questions on power and authority. So that's the Nazi topic. So... When we get the question, um, yeah, if you're listening to in the car or you're listening on your iPod or whatever on Spotify, play along and see how many you can get out of 20. Um, if you haven't seen a Jeopardy board before, the points get harder, oh, the questions get harder and there's more points at stake. So say, for example, if Tom picks one of the questions, he'll read out exactly what it is um, and then provide an answer. If he gets it right, he gets all the points. If he gets it wrong, he gets minus all the points. So you guys are going to do maybe a bit of a rock-off first to see who goes first. Uh, I'll be the bigger man, Tom. You can go first. All right. Okay, rightio. So Tom's going first. So Tom, just make it really clear what you're picking, and then you'll read the question. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll start off pretty big. I'll go 500 for World War One, post-World War One. Okay. 500 post-World War One. What's your question? What conditions are needed for a dictator to rise to power? Identify three. Um, so you want like association with something that's... Um, um, association with legitimacy or something like that. Um, you want some level of control of the army and also maybe some level of control of the media. So we have legitimate connection of power, well-known charismatic personality, public acceptance of mythology, an ideological message, control of public opinion and propaganda. I'm going to give that one to you, Tom. So plus 500. Mark, how are we going to respond? Okay, people go home. Um, And by that, you're going to pick 100. <laughs> well, I'll pick a 500, 1990 to 1929. Okay. What's your question? Although Munich Putsch failed, Hitler learned, one, the importance of the support of the what, or and two, easiest way to achieve change is to gain control of. Um... And, you know, if you get a word that's not exactly it, but it's basically the same thing, we'll give it to you. Yeah. Well, for the first one, I'm either thinking support of the army or the government. Um, I don't think it would be the government, so I'm going to go support of the army or, like, an elite ruling class or whatever. Um, And easiest way to achieve change is to gain control of... I guess that could be the government. 
So number one, you're saying support of the army. Yeah. And then two, you're saying the easiest way to achieve change is gain control of like the government. Yeah. So like the political process. Yeah. Oh, you nailed it. Oh, <laughs> it's army and parliament. Excellent. Very good. Army, right. right. So Mark's responded with another 500. <laughs> We're neck and neck. Radio, next one. This is more tense than the Cold War. Um, <laughs> 500 for 1929 to 1933. Okay. What's your question? Um, Hitler Youth League. The youth felt that the party took them blank and gave them a blank voice. Um, I think the Hitler Youth League, the youth felt that the party took them seriously and gave them a political voice. Oh, it's <laughs> perfect. On. Seriously, in a political voice. Good Glad response. Okay, Mark. There's only well, one 500 there. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'd better go for it. But... Radio. Is that yes? Yes, that's a yes. Okay, he's going for the other 500. 33 to 39. Hitler was declared the Fuhrer after whose death? And that would be um, Hindenburg. Very good. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the other fellow with the L. Oh, Ludendorff. Yeah. No, you I picked the right that. one. Rightio. Both boys are on a thousand points at this stage. All the 500s are knocked out. So we've still got a couple of questions to go. What are we going to go? Um, 41919 to 1929. Rightio. Hitler and other prominent leaders, including General Blank, attempted to take over the Bavaria government, hoping their putsch would trigger a national blank. Um, General... Might need a bit of revision on this section. Um, I would say the national blank would be trigger a national... Um, national coup and the general would be I'm just going to go Ludendorff <laughs> Ludendorff and a national coup we have a Luden we do have it's general Ludendorff and a national revolution basically the same thing yeah, you gave me that other yeah. answer, Mark. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw this and oh, I just gave it away. <laughs> yeah, radio. Mark, got to respond. Uh, I'll do. Keep it nice and clean. Get the 400 for post-World War One. Radio, your question. Uh, Italy and Japan both became enemies of the Allies in World War Two. For what main reason? And that would be because they didn't receive any of the spoils uh, any of the spoils from World War One? Yeah, exclusion from the spoils of World War One. Very good. Are you sure you guys didn't write this Jeopardy? <laughs> um, right, no, next one. All right, I'll go 1933 to 1939 and a 400. Right, no. what's your question? It's another fill in the blank. Um, books considered unacceptable were blank. Trade unions were declared blank. 
Night of blank, blank, knives, 30th of June, 1934, and all blank except Nazi Party were declared legal. Um, books considered unacceptable were burned. Trade unions were declared, um, I don't know, banned or something to that nature. Um, Night of the Long Knives, 30th of June, 1934, and all political parties except Nazi Party were declared illegal. Boom. Excellent. So, yes, the books were burned. Trade unions were banned. Yeah, illegal was the word, but that's pretty much the same thing. Night of the Long Knives and all parties except the Nazi Party. Haven't got any wrong yet. Can we keep going at all 20? Then it's just a tie. That's boring. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to lose if I don't pick the last 400, so I'll pick that one. Yep, rightio. So what's your question? Uh, what Hitler promised the German people, the unemployed, greater than creation of more what? Uh, blank class, greater than job security, and upper class, greater than destroy, blank party, and to end depression so the rich can be richer. I think the greater than's are just arrows, Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the viewers will be wondering what's... Oh, the it's like, what is he saying? Yeah. So the, the unemployed... He promised him creation of more jobs. Yeah, creation of more jobs. The something class were promised job security. Uh, lower or middle. Middle class. Yeah, middle. You're going for well, lower or middle class, and the upper class were promised uh, destroy the communist party. Excellent. <laughs> it was actually lower middle class. It was lower middle class. I was like, oh, I'm going to pick the middle if it's out of the And to destroy the Communist Party, that was promised to the upper class. Still in it. Where are we going? Um, 300 for post-World War One. 300 post-World War One. Identify three aims of the League of Nations. Um, disarmament. Um... Um, solution to, I don't know, disputes through dis- diplomacy rather than through war um, and freedom of the high seas. Like free trade. Yeah, free trade. So we had disarmament, yes, preventing war through collective security, selling disputes through negotiations, improving global welfare, and it is also for free trade as yep. well. I just ran out of room. <laughs> so, yes, we can give that one. We're still 100%. Uh, yeah, I'll pick the next 300, 1990 to 1929. Right, what's here? <laughs> oh, this one's a giveaway. Uh, Hitler's memoir was called what? And I'll pick Mein Kampf. Very good. <laughs> Um, 300 for 1929 to 1933, please. Hitler promised the peasants Lebensraum, which is what? Um, living space. Excellent. Lebensraum is living space. Neck and neck. I hope this next 300 is easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. They're going to get easier as we go down now. Yeah, I'll pick uh, the last 300. Decree known as law for the protection of the people and state. Using new law, Hitler ordered the blank to round up all blank 
wing opposition on pretext of arresting revolutionaries. Um, Eva going to use what's the time? Three, 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 four. Uh, oh, there's like the burn yeah. down of the Reichstag and all that sort of stuff. Well, he's going to get rid of uh, left wing opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to use the paramilitary for it's either SA or SS. But uh, I'm going to ask you to pick one. Yeah, I'm going to pick the SA. The SA and left wing. SA and left wing. It is the SA left wing. <laughs> Very good. I would have picked yeah. SS. I was just thinking, is SS like when the war started or like after it or like so, the SS? Well, this would be before the Night of the Long Knives. Yeah. So the, they haven't been purged yet. Yeah. So it's like just before the. Yeah. yeah. And look, if we're being technical about it, if you were writing about it, and for the people who are listening, you could really write both. Yeah. I'm sure there was involvement of both. Um, right, yeah, which right. way are we going? Um, post World War One, 200, please. Post World War One, the five victorious powers of World War One included um, the United States, uh, Britain, France, Italy, Japan. We've got USA, France, Britain, Italy, and Japan. Excellent. Hang on. People listening are probably thinking like they're just like <laughs> pretending to be shocked, but yes, we're getting them all right. That's great. Okay, what's next? No, I'll pick the one you selected. <laughs> yeah, we're just moving along the boxes now. Uh, Nazi Party developed a paramilitary force called the. Do you want like the full name or? No. Nah. I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. Uh, well, it's the SA, but it's the Sturm Battalion or something. I don't speak German. SA. It was the SA, the Sturm Battalion, or like the front barn. Righto. Did you want to go yeah. this one? 1929 <laughs> to 1933. What did the Great Depression... Af- <laughs> I think it's how or why? Yeah, I think that would be how did the Great Depression affect Europe? Um. I don't know, there was less money around. I don't know, people in uh, most European countries responded by printing more money, which just caused uh, inflation, like really, really rapid inflation. Um, And so, I don't know, people were burning money and stuff. You could use that as evidence if you wanted to do a long response, but just, yeah, inflation. Yeah, Europe was surviving with US loans, stock market crashed, investment was recalled job growth declined and then all the sort of stuff that you were describing as well. Rightio. Next one. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, What was the result of the Reichstag fire? Uh, Well, they blamed it on the communists, but I'm pretty sure it gave Hitler uh, emergency powers. Emergency powers granted to Hitler. Excellent. We've only got the one hundreds left. If any, if either of you stumble on one of the easiest questions, <laughs> not make it a tie. We'll don't, probably go from a tie into the next one. Don't jinx me, sir. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll jinx you. Post World War One, one hundred, please. What treaty between the new Bolshevik government of Soviet Russia and the Central Powers 
Germany, Austria, Hungary, Bulgaria, and the Ottoman Empire that ended Russia's participation in World War One, and that is the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. It's a really long question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. You got it right. Yeah, you pick one, sir. Yeah, next one. Uh, what does the stab in the back refer to? Um, so that would be the what the German population thought of the the government signing the Treaty of Versailles. That is correct. Nineteen twenty nine to nineteen thirty three. What is hyperinflation? Um, the rapid growth of the price of like I don't know products, commodities, different things. So which basically means you need a lot of money to pay for, I don't know, an apple or a loaf of bread or something. Yep. Monetary inflation carrying at a very high rate. Excellent. It's a question mark for. <laughs> Does it actually <laughs> It's not a fact. <laughs> no, inflation's not real. <laughs> yes. Last one. Mark, don't stuff it up. Oh, I won't stuff this one up. Uh, which mm. building was burnt down? And then blamed on a young communist, the Reichstag building. Whatever. Oh, I don't know whether to be super pleased and happy or to be <laughs> disappointed because they just both got perfect scores and it's a well tie. Played, Thomas. So from now on. <laughs> we'll, move, we'll be moving on now into specialty areas, I think. So we'll have a look at the Soviet Union and the Cold War. But we're going to pause this one here and come back from a short ad break. <laughs> Radio, we're back for round two after a perfect score. We're now moving into looking at the national study for the Soviet Union. There are fewer questions this time, and the three categories we're thinking about the topic is breaking it into Bolsheviks' consolidation of power at the beginning, the survival of the party, and then uh, life under Stalin. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the guys go through the same tact of just going through the highest first down to the lowest or whether or not they'll chip into areas that they're most comfortable with. So do you want to be gracious this time, Mark, or maybe you should go first this yeah, time? you can go first, Mark. Yeah, you can watch me fail now. <laughs> Righto. Which one would you like to go with first, Mark? Um, I'll pick, I'll go the same tactic, survival for 500. Survival for 500. Uh, what is war communism? So, um, I'd say war communism is like adopting the communist ideology, um, for when you're, when you're at war, like the Russians did in their civil war. And it was kind of, um, What's that word? Collectivizing all the um, grain and agriculture so they can feed their um, armies and that, and just adopting all of these ideals to support them. Yeah, collectivization, prioritizing the armed forces, being like a constant state of fighting all the time or struggle. Yes, a policy where all production is focused on military effort, often at the cost of the local people. Very good. 500 straight out of the gate. Oh, this is going to be a bit lopsided by the end of this because there's only three three pillars, but I'll yeah. go 500 for Bolshevik consolidation of power. 
All right, Lennon's April thesis had three main demands. I'm thinking peace, land and bread, but I'm not sure if that is specifically his April thesis. Um, I think he called for some other stuff, to be honest. I think his April thesis called for an end to the war. Um, maybe all power to the Soviets or something to that nature. And <laughs> um, land to be redistributed to the peasants. I'll just get that. And look, if it's peace, land, and bread, we're going to give it to you because that's the obvious one. But it's because it's 500, we think it's a little bit more complicated. Righto. So we have end to the war. Good thing you did a little bit more. Confiscation of all land estates for redistribution. Yeah. The establishment of Republic of Soviet workers, all power to the Soviets. <laughs> Very good. On a knife's edge, that was. Yeah. Radio. Mark. Um, no, may as well go for the 500, take advantage. <laughs> Rightio, Mark's using his first mover advantage. What's your question? In what way did Stalin replace and encourage younger citizens to follow his five-year plans? That's a good question. <laughs> um, replace and encourage younger citizens. Well, there was a lot of that industrialization and everyone was flocking to all the cities and that. And then he had like that, that coal miner person and they were like idolizing saying he's like dug up this much coal or whatever. And he gets, I know benefits or something for this. And so if you meet your quotas, you will receive I don't know, either bread or more money or something that will benefit them and kind of entice them to come in. So your answer is Stalin's encouraging the younger citizens by saying if you fill your quotas, you will be looked after. Yeah, and bringing them in to the cities, to in the factories to work and all that. Right, and giving them jobs. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what we've got here. He promised them a future after years of civil war and promoted and the promotion of a modern class. <laughs> I'm just going to be thinking about it. Look, because like what you were saying is that's still promising them a future. Um, promotion of a modern class is like, yeah, if you had said something like, he's getting them to think about that they can be better or all that sort of stuff or that they can be something um, and be like modern in some way. So his ideas of modernization, I would have given it to you. I'm not going to take points away, but I'm not going to give any to you. Okay. <laughs> Rightio. Tom. All right. Um, 400 for survival. 400 survival. What does the scissor crisis have to do with the average Russian in 1922 to 1923? 
So can you describe what you're looking at? Because this one's got a source as well. All right. So it basically shows a graph which has the, I don't know, average industrial retail prices and like wholesale prices compared to the average agricultural retail prices and wholesale prices. And basically what it looks like is the agricultural prices are all sort of gradually going down and the industrial prices are all going up. And basically what this meant for the average Russian was that, you know, if you worked in a farm, you couldn't really afford to buy all the new sort of um, modern sort of equipment, like, um, I don't know, maybe technology sort of based stuff and um, like things to put in your house from an industrial sort of retail plant. Where it, And so people were moving from the farms to the cities to get these industrial jobs because, I don't know, there just wasn't any money in being a farmer anymore. Yeah. So it's not about scissors is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks like a pair of scissors. Very good. So I've got there, like Tom went over it in more detail, but it means that prices rose at the same time that wages, which most people are still agricultural, were falling, and this would have caused civil unrest. Rightio. <laughs> so we've got our first major difference, 500 to 900. Mark, how are we going to respond? Well, it might be lost from here, but I'll go 400 Bolshevik. 500 Bolshevik. 400. Oh, yeah, 400 Bolshevik consolidation of power. What's your question? Uh, Leninism <laughs> was different from Marxism in which critical way? And that would be that it's um, adapted more to Russia. So um, Marxism kind of wanted to follow from um, like this feudalism or this like ruling um, royal class, elite class to go to capitalism to socialism, to communism, whereas Leninism just wanted to uh, skip capitalism and go straight to socialism and communism. So it was adapted to Russia. Okay. Um, I will just add how. How did they plan that they were going to do that? Uh, well, they'd do their um, the October Revolution and they'd gain control of the government by overthrowing the Romanov dynasty. Right, yeah. So we got Leninism is adapted for the Russian condition, is what you want to say. And it's about not going through the steps that Marx put out. It's about going straight to communism. Yep. Right, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it literally just says skip capitalism. I'm going to give that to you. Excellent. Right, back on 900 each. Tom. I'm going to have to take advantage, even though I'm not as confident with Stalin, but we're going 400 Stalin. Okay. In what order did Stalin change his stance on the NEP? Three steps, for example, pro, pro, anti. All right, so initially, Stalin wanted to get rid of Trotsky. Trotsky was... I'm not really sure about Trotsky's stance, but I know that he went back and forward. So we'll go to the next step. He wanted to get rid of um, Bukharin. I oh, know not Bukharin. Um, Zinebiov and Kamenov or something like that. And they were anti-NEP because he sided with Bukharin. So I'm going to guess it goes pro-anti-pro. Pro-anti. Pro, anti. pro. pro or, anti. or 
because after he gets rid of, <laughs> after he gets rid of Bukhari, he's back to anti. So I'll go anti pro anti. I will just leave Trotsky out of it. Anti pro anti. Okay, just walk back through your train of thought again. <laughs> so you're right in go. And this was a good train of thought to go through. They got he's got to get rid of Trotsky first. Then he's got to get rid of Zinoviev and Kamenev, and then he's got to get rid of Bukhari. So. What was the final thing that you said? He was first. He was anti the NEP. Yeah, and, and he then... was pro NEP because by being pro NEP, he could slide with Mukharin to eliminate Kemenev and Zinoviev, and then from that, he then goes back to anti to eliminate Bukharin, who is his only sort of I don't know, competition left in the Communist Party. So anti pro anti. It is anti-pro-anti. Yes. We've got a lovely little graphic here. <laughs> <laughs> temporary control of this. Oh, temporary central control. Make Russia great again. Remove people for being anti-NEP. Remove people for being pro-NEP. Have complete central control. <laughs> Radio. I was so happy when you said uh, pro-anti-pro and then you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Radio. Uh 300 survival. 300 survival. The NEP was promised as a temporary measure. Zinoviev called it a... Oh, this is hard. This is a direct quote. I don't think I'd even remember. I remember. It's a good quote. (laughs) I I remember the quote. Zinoviev. Oh, I'm thinking Bakari. Something adopting, taking a step back. Oh, I can leave an idea. All right, I'll sort of go through the gist of the quote for you if you want, Mark. Okay. And he, he, this is to Lennon, and he wants Lennon to assure him that the, the NAP is a temporary measure. And the next part of the quote comes in right there. A temporary measure, a blank, blank. Oh, so it's just two words. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm going to kick myself when it reveals itself. Um, <laughs> I'm going to step back. Temporary measure, a step back. I'm going to say tactical retreat. Same. Ooh. Oh, temporary deviation. Yeah, see. Temporary deviation and tactical retreat. Radio. We only would have gotten half of that. Yeah, I, was, that. I was thinking of um, Bakarin's quote, and it's like, we're making uh, political concessions to avoid economic concessions or something. But Yeah. Yeah. Radio, Tom. All right, um, what, uh, 300 Bolshevik consolidation. Okay. Lenin's slogan to the people, um, peace, land, and bread. Yeah. If you listen to our other episodes, you'd know that one for sure. Yeah, it comes up every time. Okay. <laughs> yep, you want that 300? Yeah, I've got to get back in there somehow. 300 Stalin. Uh, Stalin's policy from 1929 to 34, collectivization and a return to what warfare, elimination of 
the what as class enemies. Um, return to class warfare mm-hmm. and elimination of the kulaks as class enemies. Right. So we're going from collectivization, return to class warfare, and elimination of the kulaks as class enemies. Oh. Excellent. If that is absolutely correct. Well, you pick. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure about the class enemies. I wasn't going to pick kulaks, but all right. Um, two hundred survival, please. Two hundred survival. What fraction is the most accurate when it comes to describing how much agricultural land was lost as a result to the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk? Um, agricultural. Agricultural. All right. So I know that industrial was a lot more than agricultural or was a bit more and population was a bit less than that. I'm going to say a third agricultural. A third of agricultural land was given up. Um, just for the listeners, the other options were half agricultural land or a quarter of agricultural land. It is a third, a third of agricultural land. Yep. Right here. Stalin or... Uh, Bolsheviks. Bolsheviks for 200. Bourgeoisie is what and proletariat is what. So... So the bourgeoisie is like the ruling or elite class and the proletariat's the working class. Upper class, working class. Very good. That's correct. We know our French. (laughs) 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 Paul Leon, if you're listening, you're proud of us. All right, I'll take the 200 for Stalin then. 200 for Stalin. Oh, the Great Terror. All right, the Great Terror took place 1935 to 1938. Or 1929 to 1935, or 1939 to 1945. All right, so I'm going to eliminate 1939 or because it was earlier, it was Stalin trying to use the terror to gain a bit more, I don't know, a bit more um, allegiance from it, from the people. So I think I will actually go with... <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, or, or maybe from the 1929-1935, it was during the period where he was sort of playing off of his opposition of, like, Trotsky, Bukharin, Zinoviev, and Kemenev. So he didn't really have enough control to implement the Great Terror. So I'm just going to go A, 1935 to 1938. Listeners get to hear the entire train of thought, which is good. <laughs> because it's correct. Yes. Very Should good. I said all. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Mm, can I have all? <laughs> I'll pick 100 survival. 100 survival. If you're wondering what the score is at the moment, it's 1,100 versus 2,000. So, yes, Mark can't win at this point, So, but it's just for pride. Which one do you want? Uh, 100 survival. 100 for survival. Treaty of Brest-Litovsk resulted. Gee, that's a big 100. Um, 
Do you want like the exact figures? Or- oh, I, I think because it's just 100, it's just like ultimately what did it end or like what happened? Well, um, the Bolsheviks wanted Oh, well, they wanted it to um, get out of the war and so they had to kind of um, abide by all the German demands, which was getting rid of their agricultural industrial areas and that. Yeah, end the war for them against the Germans. Excellent. Rightio. <laughs> He's like, get one right. Was that picked up on the mic? I hope you failed. <laughs> all right, I'll go 100 for Bolshevik consolidation of power. Okay. The Bolshevik rivals and one-time allies were the Mensheviks. Yep, that's correct. Hmm. And for anyone, <laughs> for anyone listening, the Mensheviks were just um, the less... Um, radical, I don't know, communist party. Yeah. I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> There's only one left. Um, I don't know. After Lenin's death, Stalin's main rivals were Zinoviev, Kamenev, Trotsky, and Bakan. Excellent. We're talking Very about good. enough this, Radio. this podcast tonight. So our final score, Mark, 1,300, Tom, 2,100. That's 800. You've got to catch up on the next one. What time have we got? So we're going to stop here and we're going to go for our final one because we've got 20 minutes and we should be able to do some Cold War stuff. So we'll see you again after the break. Okay, we're back for round three, our final round. It's the Cold War. Three categories to pick from. It's going to be Iron Curtain, Brinkmanship and Detente. So we're going to be giving the first mover advantage to Mark. So, Mark, what would you like to pick? Um, 500 brinkmanship. 500 brinkmanship. Who was the Secretary of Defense in both the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Vietnam War? No, he's not. Is McNamara? He is Robert McNamara. Very good. That's sad. You didn't get that. No, I was like, I remember Luke saying it. And I was like, okay. Right. I will take the Iron Curtain 500. Iron Curtain 500. When the United States began to engage in the Korean War, their foreign policy shifted from containment to um, active defense or something like to that nature. Okay, because it's 500, you're going to have to nail exactly what it is. Are you going to say active defence? Forward defence. Good change. <laughs> it was forward defence. That was a bit of a hint there. Uh, 500 day time. 500 day time. What does SALT stand for? Uh, the Strategic Arms Limitation Talks. Oh, yeah, that is correct. Yes. <laughs> That would have got me. I would have rushed into that and said treaty, but that's what gets you. Right, good. Talks. Um, which one? 400 brinkmanship. 400 brinkmanship. A wall is a hell of a lot better than a war. Who said this and what are they referring to? JFK was referring to the um, Berlin Wall. Excellent. JFK referring to the Soviet construction of the Berlin Wall. Okay. Mark's up by 100. Uh, 400 Iron Curtain. Eight days after the Soviets tested their own atomic bomb, 
what other major event occurred in favour of the communists? Mm. Oh, was that um, like China becoming like a communist power or something like that? So China becoming communist eight days after the Soviets tested their own atomic bomb. That is correct. <laughs> People's Republic of China was established 1st of October, 1949. I would agree with you too, Mark. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, 400 daytime. 400 daytime. Okay, so describe the source, first of all, um, for daytime. And, yeah. All right, so we have a bear with a um, the communist um, sickle and the hammer, hammer and sickle. Um being, I don't know, engulfed in flames from a dragon with the word China and another communist sickle and a hammer on its chest. And the source, I don't know, I think it's referring to the Sino-Soviet split and the I don't know, decreasing relations between the two countries. Very good. Chinese dragon burning the Russian bear. They're not having a good time. <laughs> Sino-Soviet <laughs> split. <laughs> Trouble in paradise. Uh, 300 brinkmanship. 300 brinkmanship. JFK, we choose to go to the moon speech, took place in what year? Okay. Um, I'm going to pick 1961. 1961, eight years before the moon landing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 1962. Oh, no. Oh, 200 points moon. behind. Tom, which one? Um, 300 Iron Curtain. What was Stalin's pretext to the Berlin blockade? Ooh. <laughs> um, so I think it may have had something to do Trying to think whether it would have occurred in Berlin or somewhere else. I'm thinking maybe in Berlin and maybe something to do with people crossing the border from the communist side to the other side to go, I don't know, shopping or to the movies or something to that nature. I'll just lock that in. So there's people crossing the border. So Stalin's pretext for the Berlin blockade. Western powers uh, met behind Stalin's back to discuss developing a new German currency. It's all coming back to me now. So I'm going to say that's a no. Yep. Oh, there I'm we afraid. go. It's still neck and neck. Mark. Not 300 day time. <laughs> 300 day time. Back in the game. What is the significance of the Gulf of Tonkin incident? So that was, um, well, it was a pretext for the uh, Vietnam War, but it was the um, Americans saying that the USS Maddox was attacked and so therefore um, they should go to Vietnam. They were trying to sell the Vietnam War. This is the United States pretext for military escalation in Vietnam and I completely forgot about all of that. <laughs> so I was just like, yes, wow. I would hate to have gone that question. Yeah, I had to think about it for a bit there. Then as soon as he said Vietnam, it all came back. Mm. Righto. 200 brinkmanship. 200 brinkmanship. The starting gun for the space race was the launching of what object? Um, that'd be the Sputnik satellite. 
Sputnik one. Oh, you don't good. need a number. It's the first <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll give them to give them to him. Oh, I don't need a number for 1961. <laughs> um, Come on, Mark. You're in the lead, mate. Yeah, uh, 200 Iron Curtain. 200. The ideology of the Truman Doctrine was practically projected by what other plan? I'd say the Marshall Plan. Good job. It is the Marshall Plan. <sighs> All right, 200 detente. Who was the Soviet leader to replace Khrushchev and who was the US leader to, to replace LBJ? All right, replacing Khrushchev was Brezhnev and replacing LBJ was Nixon. Excellent. Very good. Um, 100 brinkmanship. 100 for brinkmanship. What, okay. Yeah. Uh, what policy is this source referring to? So it's got a picture of uh, China, Japan, and then there's a hemorrhage sickle going into the Korean Peninsula, but there's also like um, sickles spreading out to Tibet and just away from China. And so I'd say it's referring to um, the communist expansion, which the US said was like the domino effect. Excellent. Yeah. Very good. Um, I'll go 100 detente. Change it up. <laughs> 100 detente. Name at least two of the six characteristics of the Cold War. All right. Um, so, I don't know, lack of communication. I don't know, something like... Um, <laughs> cold, cold relations not talking, something to that effect, and um, no military and nuclear escalation. Okay. So poor communication, yep. military escalation, or like nuclear escalation. Yeah. Keen to see what the other four are. Yeah. I could have said you could just said brinkmanship and daytime. <laughs> Radio. Um... A break in the arms race meant that although there were no overall reductions in weapons limits were put in place. I don't know about this answer. It's a bit weird. Leaders of two countries. This is like describing Daytime. I think this is Daytime. <laughs> Righto. I think I've made an error here, listeners. This is more like describing <laughs> what Daytime is. Yeah, at I least two it. characteristics Get of Daytime. We're going to give it to him. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's already won, so he's not too worried about it. A hundred iron curtain. Who were the big three after the atomic bomb was dropped? United States? No, people. Oh. Leaders. Okay. And the reason because yeah. of this, there was a different big three people before and after the dropping of the atomic bomb. Um, so you've got the United States, that was uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Um, you would add Russia, so that would have been uh, Joseph Stalin. And then the UK. I want to say Winston Churchill. I don't know if it's that 
This is like a trick question when they go to sign it, and then it was like the different dude because old mate died. I'll go Churchill, Stalin, and Roosevelt. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was a trick question. Stalin, Truman, FDR's Um, dead by this stage, and it's Clement Attlee as a technicality just before that. He got you on a technicality. Bloody technicalities. But Mark's still the winner. Very good. So they ended up tying again anyway in terms of how many that they've won. Right, hopefully, listener, you enjoyed that. Um, Interested to see how many you got. We're going to put... Um, we're going to make comments available for this one. So you can put up how many you got or which questions you thought were good. And, yeah, we'll see you next time. I'll get the boys to quickly sign off and, yeah. Someone go first. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, yeah. Keen to see what you all get in the comments. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, good job for Tom and tying and having a good lead in the second one. It was nice to tie, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. See you guys.